Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone who's interested in growing sales. Today's episode of Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by our ebook, Driving Innovation, How to Foster a Culture of Innovation Within Your Team. Be sure to download a copy today. You can find it in the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 315. This is Elizabeth Frederick, as always, and I have really enjoyed getting to know today's guest. He's an executive vice president and creative director at Saatchi and Saatchi Wellness, which is a health and wellness agency moving consumers and healthcare professionals to seek greater well-being and help build strong brands. Gotta love a marketing company for having a great slogan, right? Over the course of his career, he's led creative teams at various agencies, and he's won a number of different awards for the campaigns he's put together. He is also an artist, and we will make sure to include a link in the show notes to his beautiful collection. I really enjoyed exploring it. Welcome to the show, Jay Sylvester. Thanks, Elizabeth. Well, I'm so glad that you could join me, and I just listed off, you know, top bullets of your resume, but I would love it if you could introduce yourself to our listeners and maybe talk a bit about the journey that you've been on to get to where you are today. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it was it was funny when um, when I was thinking about uh, going on the podcast, I did, you know, I did like kind of like a, went through my LinkedIn profile in my mind. And one of the things I was thinking about my, my journey to where I am now, and I started off um, getting out of Pratt Institute in, I have a love of music along with a lot of other of passions. And since I have like actually no talent musically, um, <laughs> except for like the occasional drunken karaoke song, um, <laughs> I wanted to be as close as possible to musicians. And so I used my, what skills I had, which is graphic design in, in art direction. And, uh, I started designing what, uh, used to be called uh, albums and then became like CDs packaging. So I've done like over probably 300 uh, albums in my oh, career. Wow. And one of the interesting things that I, I think resonates actually with uh, some of my more corporate clients is I like to tell them I'm as comfortable with downtown rock bands, Westchester hedge fund managers and global uh, corporations. And it, it, it's true. I've like, you know, I've like my, uh, my journey's taken me like from one to the other to the other. And I think um, probably, uh, you know, the, the core of that is just like, you know, really being um, excited to work with different personalities and, and different people with different needs in uh, kind of like using my talents to like help like solve, uh, you know, creative puzzles. Definitely. Well, that, that really comes through. And even just in the variety of places that you've worked in and seeing your art, um, you can, I can see that you have that, that kind of passion, that curiosity, that, um, that level of engagement, and it, it really comes through. Something that I always think is interesting is when I talk to somebody like you who has that really creative passion, and yet it's not like you're a full-time artist, right? It's not like that's how you decided to spend your life. Not that, not that there's anything good or bad about either choice. Um, but what often happens is people feel like they have to turn off that part of themselves and just be, you know, corporate drone, whatever it might be. Um, and so I'd love to, in our conversation today, really um, pull out some of the things that maybe have helped you be able to maintain that passion, that spark, um, as you got into the level of being an executive vice president. Because that's that's two things that I think sometimes people don't necessarily think go together. Yeah, I, I mean, if if anybody went to my LinkedIn page, uh, they'll 
they'll see that I didn't just graduate from high school or college. Um, I have uh, gray hair. Um, it's not all attributed to my four daughters, but but what I like to like to to, to say to people is that I still I have enthusiasm plus experience, mm -hmm. and um, I really do work at it, and I try to inspire. Um, not only my creative reports, but hopefully my entire team to really like try to find ways to um, replenish the well as actually my, to steal a quote from my, my, my wife, who's a creative director also, because, you know, if you think about it, um, you know, especially creative people, you know, you, you, you're, you're, you're a little kid, you start to draw, you get like interested in it, people compliment you on it and you like develop this like talent and passion and you want to keep doing this and keep doing it and it like just comes out of like the sheer like love of it and then you get to a point where oh i can actually maybe potentially make a living at this with that isn't that great it's like it's like i get money and i get to do what i want to do all the time the tension in that is that you're doing it for other people and so because you're not doing it for yourself and you're being paid to do it for other people, other people rightfully so have opinions on the work that you've done. And so, mm. you know, you have to like find a way to not become a drone and not put up a wall and not um, just deliver what they ask, but then conversely, not to beat yourself up, not to get completely stressed out, not to like have like, you know, like diva moments, you know, where you throw your beret across the, across the studio <laughs> or whatever. Um, you just have to kind of find that, that way of um, using your creativity almost in a different way where it's kind of like, um, you know, like, like selling the work. And, and it's funny, we had like a kind of like a pre-interview about this and it's, but even before that, I was thinking about, you know, using the word like selling to creatives, they almost have like this knee jerk reaction, but mm -hmm. that is part of it. It's, and it's not taking away from the validity of your work. You've done this great work. Um, but now you have to like, you know, build trust with, with your client that what you've created is right for them. And I think when we go to art school, we think, oh, I'm going to paint this amazing picture. I'm going to hang it on the wall. And just by nature of it being there, people are going to be like completely consumed with, with the intent that I had. And as somebody who is an artist, like most of their life, I look at some work in the museum and I don't understand the intent a lot of times. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's up to us to like, to like, to like do that. And that's part of that in and of itself is creative in my mind. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I think the way that you can find that in there is um, probably one of the reasons that you're able to kind of keep this, keep this creative spark is that you're able to say, you know, it's not just when I'm painting or when I'm graphic designing or whatever, that I can flex that muscle of creativity, but seeing the, the way that I am going to convince a client, um, to go along with my idea for a campaign that might be counterintuitive or really outside their, their comfort zone that requires creativity and passion yeah. and, um, and something that that I think you you just clearly communicated, if you don't do a good job of selling it, then that work will never actually happen. And so you could have 
a great idea and be really excited to implement it. But if you're not able to connect with people and help them understand how that idea fits in to the context that they're looking for, your idea might never actually come to life. And so you're going to miss out on the fulfillment of being able to kind of bring an idea from the initial drawing board to whatever the final level of execution would be. Yeah, you're so right. Um, and I was thinking the other day, I'm on um, a lot of pitches you know, for new business. And in mm-hmm. you touched upon that. It's like you're almost, you're selling up a, a creative future because you don't, you don't want to give away the work in the pitch, but you also want to somehow create an impression, which is getting more and more challenging on, you know, Zoom and things like that. Uh, an impression that 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 you can work with these people, that you're creative, and that together you can you can build and make something that's going to help uh, this client, you know, move its brand. And so. Mm. It's it's kind of like not showing like I'm I'm, I'm reaching for my this isn't this isn't a uh, video people but I'm reaching for my iPhone it's not like Steve Jobs going hey, look at this great new tool we just made isn't this amazing and now I'm going to pass it over to you and you can touch it and engage it um, with creativity you're you know you're you're hinting at it by maybe showing them some initial thoughts and stuff like that but also in your and again in your selling of yourself in 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 all that you put through. Uh, with, you know, whether with your explanations, with your body language, with your passion and your enthusiasm, you're hopefully like building in your potentially new client's mind, like this, this image of like this amazing piece that, that you can deliver for them. Absolutely. And I see that in a lot of different industries, Um, you know, any sort of a service based industry. It, even you could be, you know, full-time salesperson and wear that hat all the time. But when you're selling something intangible, it is a much different kind of a sale than if you're selling an iPhone or even selling, you know, a widget or selling cereal or anything it is that exists um, that somebody can, you know, touch and feel and potentially smell or taste or whatever, whatever that experience includes. Um, and the ability to create that that picture for somebody, create that vision for what the future might be, is a necessary skill for so many different sales functions. And yet I I see a lot of people find it challenging. I would think in some ways, um, having that that creative background, having that experience, that likely would help. Um, But it's still, you you could have all of the vision within you and be so excited about it. But if you can't really articulate it and you can't bring people along with you, um, it's it's not really gonna, gonna make it happen. Yeah, and I think the when you're talking about that, it's like, I think you have to have, um, and I hate to sound, I, I, sometimes, I feel like I sound like um, maybe like a, you know, motto of the day calendar or something like that, but you really <laughs> do, I think, have to believe in yourself and also believe in what you're, you're, you're selling you know, in, in, in the, in the best possible way, because I think that that will hopefully, um, you know, be communicated uh, to the person that you're, you're, you're talking to. Um, because again, it's like all of this is like, like the passion, like, you know, the passion, the passion for the, for the work and, and for the work that you've, you've, uh, you're going to make for the work that you, you have made, um, all of that stuff, you know, I, I really do firmly 
believe in that. And I think also like when I think about people who aren't necessarily in the creative arts, I really hate when people say that they're not creative and I'm like, no, you're creative. It's like, you're just like, maybe not creative with the same skill set that I have, but I have watched in awe of like, you know, my, my strategic partners or, you know, my account partners, you know, engaging with our clients and, and, you know, asking for more money or convincing them to go in a, in a, in a path that is so breakthrough, but makes them very uncomfortable. I mean, that's, that's creative, you know? And, um, I think people, um, don't give themselves enough credit for, for whatever they're doing. I mean, you know, when, like when my, when my plumbing breaks down and I'm like, I can't fix my, I can't fix my, you know, dishwasher and you know, the, the plumber comes in here and I'm like, that's some amazing skills. And I think that, that there's creativity in that. You know? Absolutely. And, and I think that's one of the key elements of, you know, just anytime you're working on a team is to recognize the skills that other people bring. And like you said, that might sound cliche, but you know, as a consultant, the number of times I come into a company and and you see the tension between different departments and something goes wrong and the impulse is immediately to, you know, snipe at, at another team, another function, another department. Uh, if you can really recognize the different skills and abilities that each function, each team is bringing to the table and the fact that you're all on the same team, you know, um, the example that you're giving if, if people don't know kind of how teams like this work, there's t- typically multiple people involved on yeah. a single client, you know, engagement. And so your role might be to drive the, the creative work and to come up with, you know, what the campaign might look like and, and all the different things involved. But those skills are necessary and important, but the other skills of the other people on the project team are, are essential as well. And really understanding what those are and how you all fit together as a team seems like a really important aspect of just not just working together, but really of maintaining that that passion and that excitement. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think if people aren't aware of advertising past like Mad Men and things like that, <laughs> they probably think that there's this inherent tension between account and creative. Like creative comes up with with all of the the, the great, amazing, you know, work and then, you know, accounts like just like, you know, like a number cruncher and stuff like that. And I have no I have no patience for that that view. Um and I'm and and I'm and I'm very vocal about it because the truth of it is, is that the creatives, we create the work, but the, as we say, the account people, they have more face time in, in a tighter relationship because of like money and budgets and stuff like that with our clients. And so it's important to get them on board. It's important to make them feel part of the process because they're the ones that are having those, like maybe those like late night or difficult conversations or something like that. And in, in, nine times out of 10, like, like a creative question might come up and it's important that they're, that they're on board as well, that they, that they feel ownership for the work and for the brand as, as much as we do, because they're, they're on the front lines. And so, you know, I really feel like, again, I don't, (laughs) I'm a terrible musician and I'm really bad sports player, but it really is a team effort. 
uh, Absolutely. And if you don't respect the, the role of the other people on your team, um, you can hardly expect them to respect yours. And that's just going to be not fun for anybody. Um, something that that's been kind of in the back of my mind as you're talking here, you know, we're talking about having, having passion and the work. And I think for some, for some campaigns, for some types of, of industries that can seem really natural, you know, you're in the, you're in the wellness space. And so you're helping people, um, improve their lives, their physical well-being. but let's say you were selling soap or you were selling, I don't know, paint. Um, and, and you still had to, bring your passion uh, to that. What are some best practices that you've learned over the years to to find ways to have that that passion, that creativity come out, even when you're not terribly excited about what it is that you are promoting? I, well, I think what, one of the things is, um, you know, to do great creative is like you have to have like a great strategic insight, you know, and even if it's selling paint or, selling soap it's what's what compels somebody to buy a specific soap or what compels somebody to buy a specific brand of paint or you know if you think of like the 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 wish fulfillment of like somebody's going into like a paint store and they're buying paint uh to paint this new room for their for their baby that's about to be born or if you think of like like a, a certain soap that that like helps somebody like, you know, like kind of like go take a bath and stuff like that and kind of like decompress from like, from like the, the, the stresses of the day and stuff like that. I think like, if you think about like any of the, any of the work, like that you see advertising from, there's like, like an interesting, like little insight that will make that brand or that campaign compelling. If it's, if it's good work, I think that that's something in the healthcare and wellness space because of, you know, rightfully so very stringent rules and guidelines that we have to follow. Um, it's, it's a challenge, but it's a, it's a, it's a challenge that I like to take up and it's a puzzle that can be solved. And if it's done really well, can really make a compelling, emotive, disruptive and breakthrough work. So I think you always just have to like, look for that nugget, you know, so that it's not like the same old, same old, you know? Absolutely. And kind of what I'm hearing is you're eventually going to need to actually, to also transmit that message out. And so you have to feel it first and you have to think, you know, um, something that we, we always like to say, and it's our, it's our key mission is to enable buying in a world of selling. And in order to enable buying, you have to understand why people would want to buy. And yep. what they might be thinking and feeling as they do and the reason behind it. And as you start to connect to that, I can say I've I've had that same thing happen. You know, I've had clients who sell very, very boring things. And uh, yet when you can really understand who it is that the product is helping and how it's making their life easier or better or more, more fulfilled or, you know, whatever it might be, it, once you can connect to that that's when you can get excited about a widget. <laughs> you know, if you see what the widget accomplishes as opposed to just thinking, oh my goodness, I have to help people sell a widget. How am yeah. I going to do that? <laughs> and I, so, I think a lot of it with, with creatives too, I, I always, I always suggest, you know, 
try to be like a little like method acting actory about it. Um, put yourself in the position of of say the patient or or the doctor and and think about you know what they're going through. And it and I also say it's like it's all taste and tone because sometimes creatives can get like a little bit um, caught up in their own you know how smart they are creatively. And especially again, which is why I gravitated towards healthcare and wellness, because I, I, I see my work like making a hope, like a positive effect on people is that, you know, you have to understand like what these people are going through. It's not, it's not your, your creativity is, is, is a way in, it's not the end all and the be all, but mm. that, but that way in is, is so important. You know, you, if you can, if you can, you can, if you can deliver specific messages, like say from a visual standpoint, like clearly and concisely to somebody who's just got a terrible diagnosis of cancer, stuff like that, your, your ability to transform, you know, visual iconography to, to somebody who's had this horrible news and is suddenly being like handed like some brochure you know, and then they're like leaving. And I think there's, there's like, like just like amazing value in power that we have. Um, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And that's something that, um, you know, again, in the health and wellness space, it's maybe a little bit easier to see that, but, um, so often I think people think of design and they think of creativity as a nice to have, Mm-hmm. And yep. as just, you know, it's, it's better to have a well-designed product than a not well-designed product. It's better to have a prettier ad than somebody else's ad. But um, to what you were just saying, sometimes it's actually more functional because it's more beautiful and um, something to think about. And, and actually, I think that's another way that, that you could find passion and creativity. Sometimes I'd imagine there's a, there's a more visually appealing or more fun to work on sort of a design that you could come up with, but you recognize that in order to have the impact that you're looking for, you're going to need to make it simple instead, or you're going to need to focus on um, the user experience rather than Mm -hmm. focusing on what really fulfills you. But if you can connect to that user experience that you're creating, you're actually almost allowing it to fulfill you rather than just your, your natural gut instinct, which might be, you know, to design albums, album covers, which you don't get to do that for your clients, but, um, you're still able to find that passion. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's, it, you hit it right on the head. I mean, a lot of the, the stuff that, that we do from a creative standpoint is hopefully like not so overt in it's, in it's almost like seamless, um, the way it, the way it works, but you know, yeah, anything like there, there. It's like the the form follows function. I mean, why you know you're 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 developing something um, for a purpose, and and that's like a different that's a different muscle. And there might be like some sort of like you know cross pollination create create creatively, but but you know if I want to do in like as you mentioned, like I have like like my 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 own personal work um, that I don't have to explain and stuff like that. And there's like a certain intent in that. Um, but then I take hopefully the creativity, um, and the passion that I put into that and I direct it somewhere else, but, 
you know, there's like, there's other, like, instead of like using like a specific paintbrush or a specific this or a specific that on this other end, like working in wellness and stuff like that, I'm using other tools and they're physical tools, but they're also like specific tools, like in my mind to, mm-hmm. to, to deliver the work that's, uh, that's asked of me, um, from the client standpoint, but also, um, from the brand standpoint and what's like asked, um, asked of me, but not, not vocally, like from, from the, uh, the end user, you know, the, mm-hmm. audience, the patient or the doctor. Definitely. And something that, um, that I'd also like to talk about, I think you touched on this earlier, you know, we've been focused a lot on what you as an individual can do to better connect to what it is that you're working on to, to find passion in something to, to follow the passion that you have. Um, but you also have a lot of experience as a leader and as a manager. And I think a lot of times as, as managers, we find that you can see when somebody on your team is maybe not as connected to the work as, as you'd want them to be, or as they'd want to be, or you can see when they they've hit a significant point of breakdown or burnout. Um, Mm -hmm. But what are some best practices that you found at, at leading people and, and allowing and embracing and nurturing that creativity within them, um, but directing it as a manager sometimes needs to do. Yeah. Um, well, one thing that I that I that I've, I've done in all my agencies is I do this like weekly creative breakfast where um, somebody like when we take turns round robin, uh, you you volunteer first, and if not, then you're voluntold by me um, mm-hmm. to present something, and it's like just presenting stuff that in, inspires you, and it preferably, and I don't make this a demand, but it should really actually have nothing to do with work. And what's really great is it kind of like level sets people to like, you've given them this assignment, which might seem like homework for them. But I found by talking to people afterwards, it's, it kind of energizes them again, because it makes them think about all these other things that inspire them that they might not necessarily overtly think about if they weren't asked to. And I think that that's one great way of like, you know, getting people to like, you know, you know, start the start the the the, the little kindling like in their in their creative soul, like to turn into like a bit of a fire, and then also like I like to walk the walk and talk to talk. I really enjoy cr- creating. I don't I don't just want to sit back. So I try to be as involved as as possible. Like when we're showing creative concepts, I always like to bring stuff to the table. I'm just not kind of like one of those. People are like, you know, like come into my corner office and show me what you got. I like to, <laughs> I like to at least, you know, maybe, maybe the, maybe the uh, baseball player that's like, you know, on his, on maybe on his, his last, uh, last <laughs> run around the bases. But, you know, I just want to like, kind of like show that I still got it. And, um, but also like, you know, I feed off of like um, the energy of like other people presenting stuff. And then also like being also kind of like honest with them about that I get frustrated that I sometimes, you know, kind of like get a little bit down on the dumps if like a client doesn't like the work or beats us up over it or makes like changes that we think are crazy. Or if like, sometimes I'm just kind of like feeling like I'm like scraping the bottom of the barrel. I think, I think just because you're a leader doesn't mean you're not human and you're, you don't have, you know, feelings 
um, I think I think it's it's nice for them to see that that there's that there that that you have the same even at, at a certain level that you still have these kind of struggles and then you work through them and so I hopefully that they feel like there's like that bond and like that would make mm-hmm. them pick themselves up again and like you know you know try again absolutely and even just that they're allowed to be vulnerable yes. and. Um, I want to kind of, you shared three separate things there. And I want to, I want to jump back to the first one um, for a moment here, because uh, the idea of having, you know, a weekly breakfast or a weekly assignment of any sort, whether you're even just including this in your weekly, you know, sales meeting and having people share something they're passionate about um, and not just allowing, but encouraging it to be outside of work. That's such a great idea. It's something that um, I had a client, and this was years ago, um, and I, I don't think I've told the story on the podcast before, but they started uh, a topic in an, a forum that they had online. They branches all across the country. It was, it was the only place where people were really in the same place. This was pre-Slack. And every new hire had to post a thread with something that they were passionate about. And Part of it was just, you know, we've got to get new users into the forum and we want you to, to open up a bit and get let the team get to know you. But what it also did is it started unlikely friendships. You know, somebody would post, I'm really into vegan food and and cooking and growing my own food. And then somebody across the country who, who would have never met that person responds, oh my goodness, I do the same thing. Let's share recipes. And it actually formed relationships and friendships outside of work um, on those topics. The, the longest running thread, I am not exaggerating when I say this was an active thread for over three years, was boy bands. And um, the passion that some people had on the team to go to, you know, when Backstreet Boys and I think it was NSYNC did a joint concert, whatever. They, they, they went back on tour. In like I'm the, pretend you know, I don't post- know what you're talking about. But yeah, I yeah. Pretend you don't. You said you have four daughters. You know this stuff. <laughs> and there were ongoing conversations and coordinating what concerts they were going to. And so, you know, again, whether you're you're leading a creative team or whether you're a sales manager or an operations manager, whatever it might be, if you can create a space where you allow and foster these kinds of conversations, there's so many benefits. Not just um, not just the creative aspect to it and and kind of nurturing that, although that's a byproduct, but it can also um, really just foster relationships and get people to know each other as people. It's it's always interesting when you see somebody and you know you've always seen them their business side and then you find out that they're really into rock music and that they play in a band on the weekend. You're like, whoa, <laughs> that's not so, something well, I knew about you. Yeah. You're so right. And 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 I don't know if it comes across on this, but I, I am an extrovert. And um when I was <laughs> You know, in the agency, I didn't have a Fitbit, but I probably logged miles just walking around because I'm a very slow and terrible typist. And I just find it's just easier to walk over to somebody and have a conversation. Also, you know, just like making sure that if it's a difficult conversation, that the that it's it's delivered in a way that, you know, isn't come off when these things can come off this way, like kind of cold and in, 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 in a heartless email. Um, but, but to your point, like, I think now more than ever, like we need to like, kind of like think about those kind of like ways of like getting people together. And I think like you can call it a creative breakfast, you can call it a whatever, you know, it doesn't have to be to your point. It doesn't have to be just a bunch of creatives. I've, I've done it like, you know, spreading a wide net, just like on my brands and it's, and it's everybody. It's like 
the people who like proofread. It's the it's the people in the studio. It's the, it's the 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 people that like you know do the budgets. It's like let's get them all together um, in any form we can. Whether you know we can't like really kind of get together you know in person as much as we could before, um, but you know just like let's just get people together as people and, and just like hash things out and find those connections. I think that that just helps, helps, helps the work. Absolutely. And I think a lot of times managers can be intimidated or confused about, okay, I get that I need my team to kind of relate to each other as people, but you know, should I just have a happy hour and having a structure like taking turns and everybody shares about something they're passionate about. Um, that's a simple structure people, everybody can take it in, in the level to which they're comfortable, right? Some people might get super, super personal. Other people might pick an example that doesn't go deep because they're, they're not comfortable with that, whatever, whatever makes the most sense for them. And yet you're still, you're still having that, that loose connection, that getting to know each other. Um, and it's, it's really providing a, a deeper level of engagement than if yep. you were just say, okay, we're, we're going to get together and talk. <laughs> Yeah, because some people like that, and some people are very intimidated by it. No, you're right on. It's like yeah, building that little structure and uh, and kind of like making it, you know, seem like seem like it's a it's a homework. Like I mentioned before, it's a homework assignment, but but that hopefully it's like a positive homework assignment. And then to your point, like then just the energy that that people get back. I've I found so many like uh, people like have all these like odd connections to your point, you know, that suddenly they're like, Oh my God, I didn't, I thought I was the only person who, who liked X, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like going to some obscure band in New York city where I live. And I'm like, the place is packed. I'm like, everybody else listens to this band also, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yep, you think you're the only person in the world. Yes, exactly. Definitely. <laughs> and then um, to what you were saying about, about, you know, kind of just keeping involved at walking the walk and talking the talk. That's something that I say so many people have started doing something because they liked what it was, whether it was accounting, right? You can be passionate about accounting and you, you studied accounting in college and you got your CPA. And then at your first jobs, you're actually doing the work and doing the accounting and you know managing balance sheets and, and all of that. And then as you get promoted to higher levels, sometimes you get completely disconnected from the work that you were doing. And it's not like you want the CFO of a company to be balancing the books and sending out invoices. <laughs> but there is something about um, being able to continue to to find something in the work that you do that that ties to what you originally liked about it, right? Um, because, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, most people um, were able to and I think many now uh, were able to find something that they liked and pursue it. But what you don't want to do is get promoted out of it to a level of all I do is go to meetings all day and have to give people bad news. And um, it's not fun anymore. And I think that that's an easy thing to happen. If you don't, if you don't really make that effort to keep a part of that role for yourself, um, even as it changes over the years. I I couldn't agree more. And I think that's why it's like, you know, just important. Yeah. Like just kind of like get, get down in the, in the trenches every once in a while. It's, it's, it's great. It's, 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 um, it's, it's very fulfilling I find. And, um, and it's also, it's, it's also, um, I think you get 
positive affirmation from from the people you work with like you're like what are you doing here and you're like well i still i still love it you know and it's kind of like again I've, as i mentioned before if if they're like a little bit like despondent about you know the way things are going and stuff like that just to see that see that you're like on the front line with them um i think is is uh is helpful yeah, I, I think that's the reason that, you know, they have that show, I think, Undercover Boss or whatever it might be, yeah. where, where all these CEOs go to work at, you know, fast food restaurants or whatever it might be. And if people on your team get the sense that you're disconnected and that you don't know what they're going through, it it really can um, can cause them to get frustrated. It can build walls between management and, and teams if they feel like, you know, I work so hard and they don't even understand what work it is that I'm doing. And um, one, one key element uh, that often happens is somebody came up during a time where you did something a certain way and, you know, whatever it might be, whether you had to physically lay out designs and now you do everything, you know, with software, whether you had to, um, you know, do the books by hand um, or in spreadsheets and now you've got automated tools. And so often um, leaders, because they didn't stay close enough to it, they actually don't know how people are doing the work now. And they don't have a sense of what's a realistic expectation, what parts of it are hard and what parts of it are easy. And that makes it really difficult to um, to have that conversation, to have that empathy with somebody. Um, but if you at least are able to, you know, you don't have to learn every new wave of things as, as, it, as it comes about. That's, uh, But staying close enough to understand it, it sounds like that's something that you've also really invested in so that you're able to have that connection with your team rather than, you know, I know you, you go off and do something with a, with a tool that I've never seen before. Um, make it happen. <laughs> no, you're right. And, and also one of the things when you, when you were talking about this too, is like, and it's, and it's, it's, it's an, it's paramount and it's, and it's an issue now more than ever, um, is retention. And how do you, how do you like keep people engaged in, in mm-hmm. feeling like a part of, and I'm putting air quotes, the culture of, of your agency when they're in their like small apartment with maybe three roommates where it's really easy if they don't feel fulfilled to take an interview, <laughs> you know, update their resume, uh-huh. you know, it used to be a little bit harder when everybody was, you know, in the office, you know, you'd have to like sneak out for like a fake doctor's appointment or uh-huh. like a, a really long lunch and how come Jay you're so dressed up today when you're never dressed up ever you know things like that like so I think it's like really important to like check in with people and 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 feel and just you know remind them that that um you respect what they do and you understand Uh they're going through because you've been there before Absolutely. You know, we've certainly all seen, um, I'm sure all of us have friends and, and family members and other people who have, um, who've changed jobs during um, this pandemic. And I believe you actually started (laughs) the job that you are during this pandemic Um, and establishing those relationships with people, um, especially if, if, you know, you started in this time of working from home um, to, to be able to demonstrate to people you know, especially if you're coming in to a new organization and managing a team, 
you don't want them to feel like you think you're above it all and you don't know what it is that they do every day. And so that that empathy, that connection, you know, being able to say, yeah, it's, isn't it frustrating when clients just shoot down your idea or they say, you know, my daughter came up with an idea and, and mm-hmm. want you to go with it, which I'm sure has, has happened. You know, my wife suggested something. You're like, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my uh, you know my wife took a class uh, in art school once, and she'd like everything to be yellow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so to to be able to have those conversations with people on your team, um, it, you know, like you said, even more important now. And and as leaders and as managers, retention is one of the things that that we really focus on, and um, certainly that's. That's a key element. Um, something else that we've we've touched on before, and I, I don't know if you have anything else to add here, but um, you know we've talked a bit about burnout, the idea of individual burnout, and I know a lot of burnout can be that that kind of disconnection. But are there any other things that you've identified as a leader um, that specifically can be helpful if you're if you're seeing people on your team experiencing that? I think you know it's just you know I think you really have to. Um... As somebody who talks a lot, if you haven't noticed, um, I think you gotta, you really have to like listen to, you know, to people. And I think I keep going back to, because it's the elephant in the room, it's uh, like pandemic and lockdown. I've, a lot of people that I've worked with, you know, and younger people too, they've, they've struggled, you know, and, um, and you just have to like really make a conscious effort to like really like engage with people and reach out to them because you know they're less likely to reach out to you you know um as as a leader because you know like they're like those specific levels just like i i i tend to not i don't want to bug my boss you know i'm thinking about myself you know so i don't really want to like you know i don't want to waste her time with like my issues you know all of these kind of things and so i think it's really important to you know, to like really just like take the, take the time and it doesn't take a lot, um, but you have to be like really conscious of it now more than now more than ever, because as I mentioned before, you know, you could like maybe just, you know, have that, those kind of uh, serendipitous, I don't even know if that's a word, like uh-huh. kind of like connections or, or like events, like when somebody's coming in and you're going out and you could take like 30 seconds you know, a minute, five, five minutes and just talk about things and check in. And, and that's, I think, really helpful. But now we don't really have that. So we have to actually like make those, mm-hmm. make, the, make those moments, you know, definitely. I think, I think it's really important. You kind of have to open the door and then they'll decide yeah. if they want to walk through it or not, but they're, they're not as likely to be the one to open the door. Exactly. So. Very important. All right. Well, I have I have loved this conversation today, Jay. Um, and I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that I always kind of like to use to wind down the conversation. So first of all, okay. do you have any resources that you would recommend to our listeners? Um, that could be books, it could be podcasts, it could be uh, videos. I don't know anything that um, that you feel like they could benefit from. Um, sure. Yeah, I've got a couple. Um, it's in a, a lot of them are like around like the. Uh, the creative process and just, I, but I think that, that they kind of like would benefit anybody. Um, one of them is this great book that I just recently read called messy by Tim Harford. And they're like amazing, um, essays on, on, on create, on creativity, but, but also kind of like, you know, people working beyond like 
the the boundaries of of um, in the constrictions of something, and then like going beyond them. And I don't really want yeah. to take up like the entire like, podcast <laughs> talking about this, but it's they're fascinating, and I and I think it's relevant to anybody in their in their in potentially in their specific scenario, like you know, getting beyond like a like like a like a, a problem or or kind of like a wall. And then also, I've been listening to the Ezra Klein show, which is produced uh-huh. by the New York Times. And and again, he's had great thought leaders on, and just and just talking about you know the world that we live in, and um, you know again creativity and and creativity like not for necessarily for creative people. And I hate saying that because as I mentioned before, I believe we all have creativity in our own special way within us. But, you know, one thing is he had uh, Jeff Tweedy of the the great band Wilco, and he wrote a book about like how to write one song. And it's, and it's basically written for people who aren't musicians. And mm-hmm. I thought that, that was, I thought that that was fascinating to like, try to attempt to break down something that seems so innate and intuitive and something that you couldn't maybe necessarily quantify and that he's taken that attempt to do that for other people, I think, um, is, is cool. Yeah. Uh, before he was with the New York times, uh, he hosted the Ezra Klein show, um, as a part of the Vox media network. And he did an episode with, um, one of my favorite authors, um, NK Jemison, and it was all about yeah. how to create a world. I don't know if you heard that one. And it's just so fascinating. No, I haven't, but my, daughter, my daughter's reading her, um, her, her last book. So oh, I, I she's going to lend it to me. <laughs> I highly recommend that. All right. Well, if you want people to learn more about you and your work, um, where should they go? Uh, they can they can follow me at, at LinkedIn, um, which is the, the the best way to if you want to communicate with me. Or and if you want to see my personal work, it's jsylvesterart.com. Um, and then also I'm on Instagram at uh, – J Sylvester NYC. And you can see like even other stranger work that I've done. I do a series of street collages. Um, and yes, people, I, once you see them, I do wash my hands. Um, but, uh, again, I just try to keep myself busy. <laughs> Sounds like it. I am very intrigued by this Instagram idea. All right. Thank you so, so much for speaking with me today, Jay. I really enjoyed oh, our conversation. It was wonderful. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into today's show. You can find the notes and resources for everything we've been talking about today, including all those great links that Jay just shared at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 315. If you enjoyed the show today, please recommend us to a friend. That is the best way for people to discover the show. And if you haven't subscribed, make sure to do that. That way you'll get every new episode as soon as it goes up. We'd love any feedback that you have. You could leave us ratings and reviews and Apple Podcasts or email us with direct feedback, with guest suggestions, anything else at podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at CFS Playbook and check out the blog at criteriaforsuccess.com slash insights. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success. Happy selling!